Hi, and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis, and doing my show from home today. Welcome to America Can We Talk. Today, on this day after the elections, we're going to talk about a red whimper or a matrix manipulation. Remember the 2020 election steal, where we are today, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Georgia. Choose your battle and re-engage, and if we have time to get to it, Simone Gold and the AFLDS, America's Frontline Doctors. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie George Addis. Okay, so the 2022 midterms are behind us. They were yesterday, although many places are still counting. And I want to do a pretty serious uh, First Five today, talking about what we conclusions we should derive from the apparent outcomes of the 2022 midterms. You know, we had, of course, a red wave predicted and a lot of leftist outlets are just gleefully pointing out, well, kind of like a, more like a red whimper. Um, and we had, of course, some good and important wins in uh, key elections. But stepping back, I'm going to get into some of the elections a little bit later in the show, but stepping back from individual states and races and governors and candidates and all that, I want to just take a little stroll back in history and remind you uh, of a few things because I think these facts should give us some context in making our decision what, um, what lesson, what uh, message should we derive from what happened uh, in 2022 midterms just yesterday. First of all, I'll remind you that within the last week before the elections, there was polling done among Americans about how many Americans believe that there is was outcome-changing election fraud in 2020. And so, of course, this has been a theme of Donald Trump pointing out the election was stolen in 2020, and uh, he's been on this point regularly. As a matter of fact, the candidates he endorsed, and most of the candidates he endorsed across the country in gubernatorial races and U.S. House and U.S. Senate races were people who would say, yes, actually, there was uh, significant election fraud in 2020. They ran on election fraud, and the media, especially the New York Times and others, gleefully label these people as election deniers. You know, kind of like being a Holocaust denier, kind of like someone loopy enough to think, you know, that the earth is flat or something like that. So that was a key background point. So polling within a week before these elections, 40%, 40%, these are likely voters, said yes, they believe there was significant election fraud in 2020. And you had a third of those people saying they were angry at the direction of the country under President Biden. And as you look at the condition of our country, I'm, I'm putting context in what seemed to have happened yesterday. Just think for a moment about what occurred um, yesterday in terms of this kind of, you know, red whimper instead of a red wave. And go back historically for just a moment and think about what happened in the midterm elections in 2010. 
This is now, of course, 12 years ago. This is when President Obama had his, you know, first term was started in 2008. And by the time the midterms came along in November of 2010, so he's, Obama's been in office two years, the Republicans had a massive, massive, massive takeover of the U.S. House. Extraordinary numbers, unheard of for decades and decades and decades. Prior to that midterm election in 2010, when Obama was in the presidency, he has two more years to serve in his first term, Prior to those elections, the Democrats had an advantage in the U.S. House of 256 to 179. 256 Democrats, 179 members of the U.S. House. And so you have a massive Democrat majority giving Obama anything he wanted, and they did. Because of this massive turnout in the midterm elections, in 2010, the House majority flipped to the Republicans, and the House, the Republicans actually picked up 60 seats, 60 seats, 60 seats. So then they held the advantage of 239 to 187. So what were the Republicans? And the same thing happened in the Senate. The um, numbers were enormous. The number of pickups uh, in the, by the Republicans in the midterms after Obama in 2010 it, it, was, it was just huge. Uh, prior to the um, yeah, prior to the election, the midterms uh, in 2010, again, this is 2010 now in Obama, uh, the Senate had 59 Democrats to 41 uh, Republicans. And so the Republicans had no power, basically. And at, after that, the Democrats lost six seats and they only held an advantage of 53 to 47, which changes a lot of things. I'm not going to get into that right now. The point is, the American public showed up in outrage after the first two years of the Obama administration and basically threw the Democrat party out of power. What had Obama done? What had he done? Well, I'll tell you one thing I know, I think among the most significant things was in America, which is on the short list of Marxist socialist dreams to do to any country they ever govern on the short list of dreams. What is it you they want? They want to take over the healthcare system. And there's a reason that they want to control the healthcare system. Because if you have to depend on the government to give you healthcare, you are going to be obedient to and complicit to and submissive to the government. And this is from Lenin and every other uh, left-wing dangerous leader in this world, they went after the healthcare system. So Obama had done that. He had also uh, frightened the American people in the way he spoke about America, how he spoke about America saying, you know, uh, during his campaign, you know, I want to just spread the money around. He was, you know, Joe the plumber became famous for challenging Obama at some campaign stop, just saying, well, why, why should he get to spread my money around? I mean, I earned it. Why should that happen? So Obama, and he had also done the bailouts of his union buddies, uh, the bailouts of car companies to protect the, the unions uh, who union, had unionized the unionize the workers there. Obama had sent signals to America that he's a socialist. Now, I could have told you that before he took office. I could have told you he's a very dangerous left-wing guy. Many people came to realize it at some point during those first two years, and that's what happened. Now you see, this is what Obama did. Uh, this is what happened to Obama. At, at, you know, he basically lost control of the House. Now, switch over and say to where we are today. What happened in the midterms uh, right now? Well, right now, just so you know, um, it's not even clear that the Republicans will take control of the House. There were some Republican gains 
Some Democrats lost, but it's still unclear who's going to have the majority in the U.S. House. We have 218, you have to get to 218 to get a majority. Uh, neither party has it right now. The House appears to have 204 Republicans. Um, and I'm sorry, yeah, 204 um, Republicans, 187 Democrats. So not even clear Republicans will get to a majority in the House. Uh, also not clear that the Republicans will end up with a majority in the Senate. Even under the, under the first two years under Biden, the Senate was 50-50, and yet you had, uh, and we've had some changes and some seats not yet settled, so we don't really know who is going to end up actually in charge um, of the um, of this Senate, um, and really we don't know about the House. I mean, I guess if everything gets resolved in the favor of the Democrats, um, then yeah, you might have the um, House actually remain in Democrat control, but maybe the Republicans will get it. I'm raising all this to say, the American people rose up under Obama in 2010 and threw out, gave a massive, clear, unmistakable majority to the Republicans to send a message to the Obama administration that we don't like anything you're doing and we want you to stop. Stop what you're doing. Now contrast, and, and Obama had done some things. He'd mainly signal he's a socialist. We better get used to it. But just think what Biden has done in the not even two years he's been in office. Just think in just the two years what's happened to America. We have, for example, in America, we have the utter abandonment of the southern border, the endangering of the American people because of the abandonment of the southern border. We have America filled now, filled with millions of illegal aliens, all clearly very, very interested in moving towards citizenship, moving toward voting. We have people who are criminals of all kinds who have filled the ranks of the, um, of the illegal aliens in America, sex traffickers, drug traffickers, fentanyl deaths are up. That's just all relating to the border. And we've had the complete abandonment of the strength of the United States military, the filling the U.S. military ranks with weekends spent discussing pronouns and transgenderism and, and you know, getting offended. A cesspool of liberal foolishness is what is reigning in power in the military. A cesspool of liberal foolishness replacing what used to be the, the military. And we've had guests in the show talking about this. I'm sure you've heard some of it as well yourself. So the military is a mess, the border is a mess. We've had COVID vaccine mandates, we have COVID va people losing their job, losing their future, losing their place at the precious military academies in America. All of that has happened um, under Biden. And that's only a short list, only a short list. The economy's in ruins. Inflation is out of control. Our energy production has been stifled, strangled. We have gas prices going up with no end in sight, no apparent end in sight, because the left continues to treat fossil fuels as though they are just, you know, uh, kryptonite or something. And so we have, we have an America, you know, just floundering under, and, and not just floundering, suffering under the Biden policies. And nobody's happy. 40% of Americans believe the election was stolen. That, all sorts of polling ahead of time saying that, yeah, you know, people are really, 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 really unhappy with the Biden administration on a whole host of issues. And yet, and yet, we're supposed to take at face value that somehow the American people, irate as they are, upset as they are, concerned as they are, somehow didn't show up yesterday. That, or they, they basically re-elected most people who were driving this Biden agenda. And by the way, the Biden agenda is the Obama agenda on steroids. Obama is still running the country behind the scenes. But I really want you to think about that contrast. The American people rose up 
in 2010 and said, we are done with what this whole attitude of Obama's anti-Americanism, we're done with it. They stood up and they voted out, they voted the Democrats out. Here we are in 2022, far more egregious conduct. I could continue to list the litany of things that are just outrageous happening under the Biden administration, including the way the Department of Justice treats its political enemies, uh, the impending massive increase in personnel in the IRS soon to go after, and you know they're going to go after the political enemies of this administration. We have the January 6th prosecutions, treating people as though they are in third world country prisons, no due process. I, I mean, the, the litany of actions taken by the Biden administration against the very fabric of America, attacking our freedom of speech, attacking our freedom of religion. And somehow yesterday, the American people just said, eh, I don't care, no big deal. And that's why I wanna say in this first five, we're gonna get talking about it more. But what I want to leave with you about yesterday is the only explanation I can see besides a nation mesmerized by stupidity or not minding at all any of the egregious conduct by the Biden administration, the only answer is the ongoing massive election fraud operation. And that leads me to want to talk about uh, in the next segment, because I think sometimes we lose track of what happened in the 2020 elections. I mean, we know everyone, and you know if you listen to my show and many experts I've had on, the 2020 elections were stolen. There's mountains of evidence to prove it. But I want to focus on how much power whoever is orchestrating elections must really have in order to orchestrate them the way that they do. Yesterday's results, I'm happy for every Republican who won. I will be thrilled if there's going to be a victory in Arizona in the governor's race and a few other key races, the Georgia Senate race is still up in play, the Nevada Senate race, we'll talk about that in a little bit while. When you look at the Biden administration and their COVID mandates, uh, energy strangulation of America, population flooded with illegals, uh, telling Americans we can rely on, you know, like natural energy, air and wind, don't worry, or wind and solar, it'll be fine. Uh, we have national debt out of control, foreign policy is embarrassing, Afghanistan is still embarrassing. We have, a, we have, you know, George Orwell's 1984 is today's Department, Department of Justice, the Ministry of Truth, and yet... The powers that be and the media in this country would like to tell you that you should believe that that was just the fair results. That's just what happened. Who knows? You know, who can explain voters? I am telling you, in my view, the only explanation for the lackluster outcome in favor of Republicans yesterday is election fraud, massive orchestrated systemic election fraud. I am not pointing fingers as to who or what is responsible for it, although I have some very good ideas. But I'm telling you that there is no explanation for the way things happened yesterday except election fraud. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. But for now, that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. When I said I want to talk about the 2020 elections, I just want to remind you a few things about the 2020 elections. You know, um, we all watched in 2020, uh, or everyone pays attention. We're watching on election night to see it's, you know, is Trump going to get reelected because it'd be so exciting, uh, you know, and people thought he would be elected. They, I mean, you know, Biden didn't run a campaign. He camped in his basement and hit out and blamed COVID. I mean, there was no campaign, no energy. There were no Biden parades, no Biden boat parades, no Biden festivals, nothing. But, you know, the Trump, the energy for Trump was palpable and massive. And yet in 2020, 
we were told to believe, well, actually, who knew, you know, all these silent Americans turned out, turned out 81 million people voted for Biden. And all of us had, I mean, a collective response or, or anyone paying attention, just thinking, I don't think that happened. I don't think so. But just think what it took to pull off the 2020 election theft. And that's what I think it was flat out as an election theft. To start with in 2020, you had the beginning of the year where you had COVID release on America. And you had COVID, which had many, many, many treatments available. Many doctors saying, hey, lots of great treatments available. It's gonna be, you know, it's not as much of an emergency as you might think. And so you had people saying, you know, we have these treatments available, but oh, no, 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 you gotta have, everyone's gotta stay home, shut down. So we had communication shut down. We had normal life shut down. We had fear instilled in our society. And that, of course, giving rise to the, oh, we're going to have to have mail-in ballots. Turns out we can't do a normal election this year because we have to have mail-in ballots to, because COVID. And so we had the mail-in ballot fraud. We had, if you didn't see Dinesh D'Souza's film, uh, 2000 Mules, you definitely need to see it. His film captured the use of mail-in ballots and the many organizations apparently involved in collecting mail-in ballots and stuffing ballot boxes in the middle of the night. And this being the method of election theft, by the way, that even Jimmy Carter's commission pointed out, the home, the breeding ground for election theft are mail-in ballots. But that's what we had to do in 2020. That whole effort got orchestrated um, to get us to the point we had to agree on mail-in ballots. We had prior to that, just the mental manipulation ongoing in this country. We had just the constant pummeling of Don that Donald Trump wasn't legitimate. Somehow he wasn't really president. So you had the, the endless push against you know the, the alleged Trump-Russia collusion, which was utterly disproven, but the media doesn't stop talking about it. And they're still in the back of the minds of simple-minded people. They still think, well, he probably really was complicit in all this. You had the COVID hysteria driving us to mail-in ballots. And then you had the Dropbox organization brought in drop the organization of the Dropbox effort. Uh, and then you had the Zuckerboxes, that you know just whole massive interference with, from uh, left-wing America. You had the pause in voting on election night, where literally everyone is watching the swing states, the important swing states. Trump is winning all of them. And all of a sudden, they all had to stop counting. By the way, don't worry, we'll come back tomorrow. We'll keep counting tomorrow. And so they had these um, votes that seemingly all of a sudden overnight, everyone, every state with Trump ahead, Pennsylvania, Trump was ahead. I mean, uh, yeah, Trump was ahead 700,000 votes. Next day, it turns out all these swing states, who knew they went for Biden? And so people watch that and they thought, but I mean, I'm, what I'm talking about now is to remind you how complicated that process is, how many players had to be involved, how much manipulation to shut down counting in all those states and the next day to have the emergence of exactly the opposite result that everyone expected. You have the Dominion voting machines and all of the evidence acquired of, along with the Dominion voting machines, including, may I say, if you haven't read this, you can still read it online, but one of the most amazing and irrefutable sources about Dominion voting machines and the fraud that they enable and just are, uh, comes out of Mesa County, Colorado. We had Tina Peters, the Mesa County, she, at that time, just Mesa County clerk in Colorado, who gathered the information about the Dominion voting machines, which was then analyzed. It was a before and after of the machines, then analyzed by cyber experts who said essentially, um, in a series of reports, the final one you can look up online, Mesa County report number three, look up Mesa County report number three, and it just spells out the Dominion voting machines are a vehicle for fraud. It lays out that they did it and how they did it. So you have evidence on Dominion voting machines. 
We all watched on television, news sources with affidavits, people signing affidavits, putting themselves in front of state legislatures and other places to say, I saw, I, I saw election fraud. I saw a, a, a voter, a, a, an election official, feeding the same set of ballots over and over and over into the machine to be counted again and again and again. Affidavits from those people. You, we saw the a video of ballots being brought in and the pallets in the middle of the night, that famous night after November 3rd election day, where turns out these trucks, look at all these ballots. And then we have the algorithms, the algorithms uncovered by Dr. Douglas Frank, in which he's able to project, he's able to predict the outcome uh, percentage-wise in every county in any state by knowing the outcome in one state. He is he has presented over and over and over again around this country and in front of governors and election officials, his proof that shows that our electronic election electronic voting machines are just the votes that we read on election night go, oh, look at that result. They are driven by an algorithm. They're not real counts. So all of that evidence has emerged about 2020 and probably more I'm not thinking of. But I'm getting around to saying, when you look at what happened yesterday and you look at the, um, you know, for people who thought there'd be a really red wave, uh, I mean, a significant red wave, which um, I think there actually was a significant red wave, um, you have people saying, well, maybe we didn't understand, you know, maybe uh, people like Biden more than they thought, or maybe people don't mind that we don't have a border anymore. Maybe people don't mind all the fentanyl coming into the country. Maybe they don't mind that we have sex traffickers and judge uh, and drug traffickers and Mexican gang members filling America and killing American citizens. Maybe we don't mind that we have now millions of people in America who are not have no legal right to be here and we don't know where they are. And maybe we don't mind that our military has been decimated by political correctness and foolishness. It's worse than political correctness, it's foolishness. Maybe they don't mind that gasoline is too expensive now and they can't afford to drive to work anymore. Or if they drive to work, they can't afford to buy milk. Maybe no one minds that the economy is in ruins. That is what the argument has to be for you to accept what the voting results as reported were last night. I do not know and have no capacity to know precisely which elections were rigged, which election results are not accurate, and which are. I cannot tell you that, but I can tell you it defies common sense. You have to be, have your head in the sand, your head in the Democrat, you know, deep state bucket of snakes and slime to think that the outcome of yesterday's election is legitimate. I, the idea that the Republicans did not you know, have a massive sweep of taking over the House, you know, they could have done a better job messaging. I mean, a big difference between what happened yesterday and what happened in 2010, of course, was Newt Gingrich, contract with America, you elect us. I can't remember if that was 2010 or not, but in any case, you elect us and we are going to let you, um, you know, we're going to do the following things. We had several different versions put out by several Republicans. I can't remember when Newt Gingrich's contract with America was, but we needed something crisp and clear. We promised you this, 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 which leads me to one last point in this segment. We didn't have a Republican Party in this 2022 midterms willing to lead like the Republican Party needed to do. We didn't have them going back to election fraud and all that enabled the election fraud and all that protected the, the election fraud and kept it out of the minds um, of the people. We didn't have a Republican Party in Washington or in the state legislatures willing to stand up and say, this election was stolen, 
here are the methods. We're going to eliminate electronic voting machines. We're going to, I mean, the, the promises that had to be made, they didn't have to be, you know, we promise you free something for life. They had to be serious, substantive promises. We didn't have that kind of leadership. And in particular in Washington, we didn't have the leadership we needed coming out of the, of the Republican side, the conservative side, admitting that the 2022 elect, 2020 election was stolen admitting that electronic election fraud is a real, viable, serious, substantive problem. We had a failure of leadership among the GOP on most state parties, most um, state Republican parties, as well as the national Republican party. There were too many people who were really happy to have Donald Trump out of the picture. And if tolerating voting fraud, tolerating election fraud was the price they had to accept in order to get rid of Trump, that was okay with them. And there are many Republicans who fell in that category. Many Republicans who said, you know what, I'm the guy, he just, he rattles things. He, he stands up for the people. He doesn't know how to play the insider's game. Um, okay, actually someone's texting me, thank you. A news contract with America was 1994, but it's the same point I wanted to make. The same kind of point. You know, the, the clarity and the promise of simplicity what had to be promised there was just, it was ripe for it. We had a McCarthy thing that was kind of milk toasty. Uh, we had a little better one coming out of um, Rick Scott from Florida, but we didn't have that message of the Republican party. We're going to fix things and here's how. We didn't have that unity and that clarity that we really needed. But I'm saying that not because that caused people to not turn out for these elections, but because there has been much complicity and acceptance within the Republican party at the high levels, state and federal, with election fraud. And the reason in part is because election fraud is one of those issues that the left has managed to so vilify, mock, and ridicule that people are afraid to speak up because they don't want to be the ones called election denier. Uh, they don't want to be the ones called, you know, uh, afraid or pansies, whatever other word would be. They didn't want to be that. And so it was safer, especially if they won their seat again and they're still in power, safer for them to say, okay, you know, um, there probably is fraud, but I don't really care because I still have my job. I'm still a governor or a senator or a member of Congress. I'm sticking out, so I'm, I'm you know, stand where I'm safe. So they stayed away from election fraud, which sent a message to those who orchestrate election fraud, as happened in 2020. And frankly, among experts I've had on my show and of who, with whom I've met, we've had election fraud long before 2020 in this country. Once we had electronic voting machines making their way into the system in America, which was the early 2000s, we've had the capacity for elections to be stolen and we've actually had it happen over and over. And I'm getting at this point right now in 2022 midterms, if you think that the misery inflicted on America by the Biden administration was received well by the American people and they just loved it and they said, yeah, open the border more, let more illegals in, what do we care? If you think that's what the American people thought, then you can buy this election result of yesterday, but you shouldn't be able to buy it because it's hogwash. It is hogwash. I truly believe many, many elections of great consequence are rigged electronically and we never see it happen. I'm not blaming election clerks. I'm not blaming election judges. I'm not blaming even some state election officials. Don't know. The manipulation happens behind the scenes. But if people are afraid to speak up about it, people are afraid to expose it. And so what the whoever is orchestrating these things, which almost always benefit the Democrats, not the Republicans, 
but sometimes Republicans benefit. But whoever does this has learned the lesson from this election, 2022. Hey, you might as well just keep on doing it because they don't seem to, no one stops us. Let's keep doing it. And one thing they do to be really clear about some of these elections, you know, there's this expression I learned, which was, it's really a great one, the margin of plausibility. If they told you, for example, yesterday, that like the one, one example was in Pennsylvania, the U.S. Senate race. It was this guy Fetterman versus Oz, and neither of them were, you know, home run candidates. You know, and so Fetterman allegedly squeaked by and beat Oz, although I think that's being looked at again. But if they told you Fetterman won by 80 percent and Oz only got 20, everyone would say, well, that didn't happen. That's something wrong with that. But the people who can manipulate the outcome that you read on your television screen, that you read online... They can keep races that are close within the margin of plausibility. So it sounds real to you. I'm going to have on the show again the next few weeks, Dr. Douglas Frank, who can explain again and give information again to you um, about how this electron, how the proof of electronic election fraud, the voter manipulation is voter tabulation software, manipulation remotely, the people doing it don't have to be anywhere near the machines to be doing it, how it is happening is evident, and until we expose it and and can put a stop to it, all of our elections are going to be controlled by whoever it is who controls them, but it's not we, the American people. I do want to go quickly where we are on, on the uh, where we are on some of these races because they're actually really really um, interesting. Um, so in Arizona, and that's a good example of I think at the Demo- you know, the Arizona governor's race. I think it's a really good example if the um, th- those who manipulate elections have been. Uh, had come out and say, hey, as it turns out, oh my gosh, this Katie Hobbs, she beat Carrie Lake, you know, 75 to 25 or something absurd. Everyone would say, I-, I don't think that could have happened. I mean, Carrie Lake, much like Trump, much like Bolsonaro in Brazil, much like anybody who speaks to the people and is embraced by the people, you know, Carrie Lake had a, has a massive following. She's very popular. And Katie Hobbs, like Biden, hid in her basement or hid somewhere else, wouldn't debate, wouldn't discuss, continued serving as Secretary of State in charge of elections in that state. I don't know, it seems like a conflict to me, but in any case, in Arizona, um, they have it uh, close right now, uh, and there is a recount. There is not a recount occurring. There's a continuation of the account uh, of the count occurring. So Carrie Lake, just fabulous, conservative, populist, endorsed by Trump, First thing she's going to do is expose election fraud. She's going to secure their border. She's going to declare an um, invasion at the Arizona border with Mexico in order to give the state more power to stop what the um, left is doing, letting America's borders be exploited. So anyway, where they are right now, um, she is only supposedly behind by 10,000 votes. She's behind by 10,000 votes, which surprisingly is the same number by which Biden allegedly won that state. But in any case, She's behind by 10,000. They have 400,000 votes left to count. 400,000 votes left to count, and she's only down by 10,000. And over 70% of those 400,000 are estimated or likely to be their day of voters, day of the election voters, and their voters day of um, who went overwhelmingly for Kerry Lake because Republicans vote on election day, Democrats vote early. Uh, This is just, I don't know, this is how it's been forever. So Kerry Lake, still is in shooting distance of winning this gubernatorial race in Arizona. Now, I know some people are saying, oh, I don't think they're cheating there. Please understand, when you're a gen, think like George Soros does. George Soros doesn't just say, 
I'd like to control the outcome of the presidential election. He donates money through his organizations and the uh, multiplicity of organizations beneath it, the tentacles, the snaky tentacles of all the organizations he funds and controls. They go after every race they can think of that could matter. So they go after district attorney races because now they have DAs who won't enforce the law. And so, you know, criminals like them, so they will vote for these people. You have the, you have racist secretaries of state race, uh, races which were funded by George Soros. And, and this is, by the way, Katie Hobbs is a George Soros-funded secretary of state in Arizona. So back to Arizona, it's possible that Carrie Lake will pull it out as governor. Um, you know, she was extremely popular. Um, and I think a lot of people seeing um, that when this counting is all done, maybe they'll have to give it to Carrie Lake. I just, when I saw the numbers last night, it was like 50.9 for Katie Hobbs and 49.2 or something, whatever it was, you know, for Carrie Lake. It was very close. And it just kind of, that expression came to mind again, the margin of plausibility. You, you couldn't possibly claim Katie Hobbs, who's just a, you know, a George Soros funded, uh, you know, doesn't do anything. And this is someone who doesn't run on securing the border, doesn't run on fixing election fraud. In fact, she was the one that shut down uh, audits. She said, we don't need audits. We don't have cheating. No, that's not us. So Carrie Lake, Arizona may come through with, uh, with a governor's race um, for her. We will see. Uh, Nevada, they're still counting. Um, and I guess it's very close. I had a little uh, cheat sheet to go over this with you. Uh, Nevada, uh, they're calling it a nail biter. Um, again, um, Incumbent there is Senator Catherine uh, Cortez Masto, uh, incumbent Democrat, um, U.S. Senator, and being challenged by Adam Laxalt, who is just a great candidate, been supported by a lot of people. Um, so you know they're they're counting that Nevada may still be in the running. Um, so and then so that's and I was going to mention Arizona and then Pennsylvania. All I want to say is that the, I mentioned Fetterman and Oz that Senate race. These Senate races are so important, by the way. As I said yesterday, if you control the Senate, you can, to some degree, control the agenda of this White House because you can keep new uh, judges out of the uh, judges who don't follow the law or they follow the law of let the Democrats win. Uh, so you can keep new judges out of the federal and circuit and Supreme Court uh, seats because you know, you just won't approve them. The Senate approval is required. Um, Senate approval is required. I mean, they have to obviously pass all the bills like the House passes. But if you have the Senate majority, you have some capacity, you can stop the appointment of people uh, in the Biden administration you might not want to have. So, you know, that will help if we can get um, a majority in the um, United States Senate. So uh, in Arizona, by the way, there's also a, I guess they have called it for the uh, incumbent Democrat. I think it's Mark Kelly. Um, but that's also being uh, looked at again because as new votes come in, um, it appears the Republican vote um, may actually go over, um, may actually win out. And it's interesting in Arizona, just think if you live there, all of these, you know, abstract parties and names and issues. If you live in Arizona and you realize your own government won't enforce your border and your borders overrun and fentanyl deaths are way up. The, you as a citizen can't do anything. You're thinking, where is our government? And they know, of course, that the Biden administration will not enforce the border. That just They just don't do that. That's not how they roll. They need the state to do that. They need their state government to be strong. So I think in Arizona as a border state, there's a heavy, heavy uh, likelihood, trend toward wanting people who enforce the border be serious about you know the safety and security of the Arizona people. So um, I would, I really hope that Senate seat also might still be in play. Uh, last one, interesting, I was going to mention briefly, is in Georgia, is apparently now headed to a runoff on December 8th, I think, or something. Um, it's a, a runoff um, in Georgia uh, for the U.S. Senate seat. They have the Democrat who 
one, in quotes, in air quotes, uh, who is currently serving in the U.S. Senate, that's uh, Warnock, um, and he's got all sorts of um, shoddy things in his background, uh, which are coming out more and more, um, but it, it will make it easier for the voters there in Georgia because eventually this gets down to the two people. So Warnock, the incumbent, and then Herschel Walker, who is a uh, endorsed by Trump, at least in the beginning. I don't think Trump's been too active with him since then, but in any case, you know, former NFL player, but he's also a guy who has been... Um, um, Herschel Walker, who's been, you know, strong on the issues he's uh, that conservatives care about, and he's someone who says, you know, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z, whatever Republican conservatives want, you know, secure border and all those kind of things we've been talking about, and he you know, has a few things in his past that have come out. Uh, women claiming uh, decades ago that he uh, urged them to have an abortion. Uh, he says that's not true. You know, I, I don't know how to play those out, but I will say, if I lived in in um, in Georgia, I have no problem figuring out that if I vote for a Republican, they're going to stop the Biden agenda. And that should be the number one goal. Stop the Biden agenda. Stop the destruction of America. Stop the destruction of our energy industry, our military, our border, our economy, our everything. Just stop what they're doing. This on-rolling Marxist takedown of America. Just stop it. That's what you want. And so if he's an imperfect candidate, as every candidate is, Herschel Walker is the way to go because your other choice is some guy who's going to vote with Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, and the entire anti-American left. So anyway, so those are still in play. Um, I had a, a topic I'm just going to do briefly here, looking at my time. Um, I think it's important to, um, back to my first five and trying to hone down why I'm, I'm piling on this. I understand, and I, I know many elected officials, I understand it's very easy for people on the R side of the aisle to speak about issues that have broad support. They're almost like, you know, they're like being in favor of babies and, you know, sunshine or something. So you can talk about uh, border security and military strength and um, tax rates and, and, you know, making us a friendly business environment for our local businesses. You can say those things as a Republican. And, you know, those are all true. They're all good things to say. Talking about the hard issues, talking about we have a massive problem with systemic election fraud in this country, which you would know if you took the time to study what happened in 2020, if you would listen to the evidence presented by Dr. Douglas Frank, if you would look at the evidence presented in numerous state legislatures, if you look at the evidence presented by... Think about it. But people in power tend to love they want to stay in power. They like they won that House seat or that Senate seat or that gubernatorial. They like it and they don't want to speak up and they don't want to be. And just you know, another overarching issue that I, I want to hear conservatives speak up about is pushing back against the federal government, against the growing intrusion of the federal government in the education system and in the election system and many other things that really constitutionally are none of the federal government's business. And so, for example, yesterday on election day or the day before that, the DOJ announced they were trotting out like 42, um, trotting out special um, agents to send them to, under their powers of the Voting Rights Act, send them to jurisdictions they handpicked to say they're going to send essentially election observers to watch on election day, to watch what's happening. So they are impugning the integrity of the states, 
impugning the integrity of the election officials, and they're not there to watch the real kind of fraud, which they can't see anyway by going into a voting location. They're not there to look for electronic manipulation of voter tabulation software. They're there to look for, does someone give an unfriendly look towards someone? I, I mean, they're just silly level stuff. So the bravery of Florida um, Governor DeSantis, who, said, who told them, by the way, who just said, your uh, federal agents, your election observers are not welcome in the, in the uh, Florida uh, voting booth and the, the Florida voting election polling places, not welcome, can't come in told them we won't let them in, gave that instruction to the instruction to the election workers, do not let these federal agents in. He did that. I believe the governor of Missouri did that. I didn't hear our Texas governor Abbott say that. He just, you know, he's, he's one of the stay in the center, but I'm getting around the point. We need brave people in this country to speak up about the things that are occurring. And, and among the major things they've got to be speaking up about is election fraud, election integrity. Looking at what happened in 2010 and just common sense wise, looking at the massive pouring out of the American people and the overturning of the power of the Biden of the Obama administration, the very first four years you have, and yet you have far worse conduct, far more destruction of America in our faces at this point, two years into the Biden administration. And somehow we had a you know red whimper. We had nothing. I'm telling you, nothing explains it except election fraud. So I want to turn to this thing about uh, choosing your battle. I use the expression "choose your battle" um, and re-engage. You know, I will tell you that part of what's going to—I've been getting, as you might imagine, because I do this all the time, doing this show and speeches. I get emails and letters and calls and text messages. Got to do this. Got to do this. Got to do this. I want to tell you that part of what's going to need to happen in this country is for the people who can see, not just, oh, I'm disappointed because candidate X lost, I really liked him, or I liked her, I wanted her to win, not just individual races, not even just control of the House and Senate, but looking at the larger picture of the trend of America, away from America as founded, rooted in God-given liberty, rooted in the rights of individuals to live in liberty, we need to have people on the ground in this country deciding, I am re-engaging for this country. If you can be involved in the election integrity battle, that's a huge one. Everyone can at least contact your state rep, your state senator, your U.S. member of Congress, your U.S. Um, representative, and your U.S. senator to say, I believe there's significant election fraud in this country. I want, I support you eliminating uh, electro electronic voting machines. Now in Congress, they can't do that. They can't mandate that, but letting them know that's how serious you think it is because all of these elected officials dismiss the arguments from election integrity advocates because there aren't enough of them. You know, they have a few people well-informed speaking up. Dr. Douglas Frank, Seth Keschel, I always mention them, many, many others speaking up. But the message doesn't really resonate with elected officials until they feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I might lose re-election if I don't respond, if I don't act. So getting involved can mean communicating with your elected officials. But a lot of other ways to get involved in the, in the battle to re-engage America, because it's also true, even though there's massive election fraud, there's also a wide swath of Americans who grew up uh, in when conservatives seem to be unaware of what's happening in the public schools, 
grew up kind of hating America, or at least grew up questioning America's goodness and greatness and uniqueness. So you can get involved in organizations that help you know, bring programs to public schools, sharing with the public schools the greatness and uniqueness of America, getting that in the organization FLAG, founded by my friend Nick Adams. FLAG shows up in public schools and does little programs um, that, I mean, they're consequential because they're just simple and they remind and they share with students how great and unique and extraordinary America is. So you can get involved on that front and be supporting and maybe be part of those kind of things. You can pick an elected official or a candidate and really get behind his or her candidacy, not just show up one day and make phone calls for two hours, but decide I'm going to be the one to knock on doors, take names, show up at meetings you all and, and speak. You also can be involved in the whole, the takedown of America. Now, when I keep talking about this takedown of America, it is what's at its core is the leftist communist mindset, the communist socialist mindset that has been working ideologically against America for the last 100 years. It is 100 years ago, I will just remind you, 100 years ago when the communists arrived in America and realized they could not could not bring about a communist uprising in America because everyone there was enough abundance, there was enough go to around to go around. There was upward mobility. There was no basis for the communists who came to America. These are the actual communists from Russia and and Eastern Europe came to America thinking they could come here and plant the seed of communism. But they realized it wouldn't work here because there was not enough economic disparity and there was upward mobility, the capacity of people to become prosperous themselves. So they couldn't use economic disparity as the basis. So what they did instead, the basis to encourage people to turn against each other and turn against their countries. The left uses ad nauseum, which I say the left, I mean the left Marxist, socialist, communist, Democrat party in today. But you had them using race as an issue. And you had, you know, in fact, that wonderful book, it was uh, Robert Manning, I think his name was, uh, a black American back in the 30s who became enamored of the um, communist movement. They invited him to be part of the communist party and he joined the communist party and he was out there making speeches to other black Americans saying, you know, we can we can rise up, we can find fairness, we can get equality because we are going to support communism. They got this guy actually worked up a black American because the communists saw him as a tool to divide America because they couldn't divide America in economic disparity. They said, okay, let's divide America along the lines of race. The left has used race as a dividing issue, as an issue to cause Americans to turn against each other, to turn against our country, to hate the very idea of America. But the beautiful thing, I think the guy's name was Robert Manning, um, but um, anyway, he is this incredibly brilliant, articulate black man back in 1930s, joins a communist party, makes speeches for 10 years, went on and on on behalf of the communist party. And then he wrote, then he finally realized they're just using me. They don't care about black America, our plight. They don't care about our anything about the black American culture or history. They don't care at all. But the left has used race to divide America. I'm sorry, his name was Manning Johnson. Sorry, Manning Johnson was the guy's name. What I want to say is, this ramble is about is, you know, I had on the show this past Thursday a guy named Chad Jackson, Chad Jackson, this past Thursday show, I really urge you to go watch it. Uh, and in that show, he talked about, he is one of the producers and writers, and it was an, also an, um, a character in a documentary called Uncle Tom 2. 
you know, the Roman numerals two, Uncle Tom two, there's an original Uncle Tom documentary, Uncle Tom two. And they really dive in in that film into which is the left uses race to divide America. And these are conservative Americans who recognize that the entire socialist, Marxist, communist movement is just using black America to gain power. They're not trying to help. They have no agenda to help. They're no, they don't have any way to help. But what they are doing is seeding discontent, planting the seeds of discontent, racial suspicion, racial resentment within America. And this film is brilliant because it talks about that. So one thing you can do, I'm going to do it at our house. We have purchased that film. I'm going to just have a get together in our home with some neighbors and just play the film. Maybe I can get Chad Jackson to come over. I don't know. But anyway, and talk about just because once you recognize you're being played, you're being played by the left to embrace an idea, Marxism, socialism, communism, call it what you want, you're being played to embrace an ideology that has left nothing but misery and ruin and hunger and starvation and murder and death in its path for 100 years. That's what the left is asking you to do, to embrace all of that ideology, Marxism, leftism, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and through it's through the tactic of cultural Marxism. Instead of military attack, it's an attack on our culture. It's using the culture to to slither in like like a disgusting snake into American culture and divide us. This cultural Marxism idea huge to understand. And if you get that film, purchase that film, Uncle Tom Two. Have show it in your home. Watch it first yourself. Show it in your home. Invite your neighbors over. Because I, I getting back at, and actually ties into my first point of the day about being played. Once you realize what the left is doing, that they are using you, they're using black Americans to convince them all their victims. They're using many left-wing Caucasian Americans to buy into the sense of guilt and responsibility. It's all my fault. I should, and, and that it's all America's fault. Every bit of racial disparity, everything wrong in society is somehow due to capitalism and to America's founding ideas. They're using racial division to bring down America. And when people recognize that, they don't like being played. And the same thing back in the start of the show, I was talking about yesterday's results. You can look at what happened and uh, yesterday and just say, oh, well, I, I guess it really isn't a red wave. I guess Americans don't. Maybe we kind of like open borders. Maybe we don't care about the fentanyl deaths. Maybe we don't care about the transgender agenda and the, the gentle mutilation of small children. Maybe we don't care at all, you know, as long as I have... And, and so you start to think maybe you were wrong to be as concerned about America as you are. But waking up and recognizing the elections are manipulated helps you recognize you are on the right path. You do think clearly and you got to be in the fight. But the segment is supposed to be called it's about choosing your battle. You can engage in the battle to protect America in so many ways. You can do a Chad Jackson showing of the film. Uh, Uncle Tom too. You can become involved on a campaign, get involved in your public schools, fight the critical race theory agenda, fight the 1619 project, fight the whole transgenderism. There's so many ways to be engaged to save this country. The worst thing that can happen is if you look at the results of yesterday's midterms and say, oh, well, I guess America likes what the left is doing, because I'm going to tell you they don't. Our elections are rigged. And by the way, before I forget to cover this point, in Arizona, in the key locations, key locations in Arizona for voting turnout for Republicans, they had all sorts of inexplicable 
massive, not one time a machine broke down. Machines not working, ran out of ballast. In fact, I had something marked here to tell you. The machines were down in Mercer County, uh, New Jersey. Um, at least 20% of the machines were not working throughout Maricopa County, Arizona. They ran out of paper in Luzerne County, Pennsylvania. In fact, officials say that roughly 44 polling locations in Luzerne County, Pennsylvania ran out of paper to print ballots. So they couldn't print the ballots. And the idea that you wouldn't know this would be a big election, I'm getting the left will use anyway to cheat, including having these kind of breakdowns. They also had in New York where Lee Zeldin supposedly lost the governor's race. By the way, a friend of mine in New York is texting me this morning saying there's a lot of people upset up here. I don't think so. Um, they, they don't think they think Lee Zeldin won and, and uh, Hochul was not reelected. But in any case, uh, they have they happen to have um, they had to disrupt the Republican vote in Arizona to stop Masters and Lake from winning, Masters being the, the U, a Republican Senate candidate. And also, and, and this the breakdowns are occurring in red Maricopa County. But nothing to see here, folks. Don't you think? Don't be connecting those dots. Nothing to see here. Similarly, they disrupted the Republican vote to stop Lee Zeldin in New York, who was a Republican gubernatorial candidate. And machines went down in Suffolk County, which happens to be his hometown. There's mountains of data about election rigging in this last uh, in this election yesterday, and you can either decide I don't care, long as I have my paycheck, long as I have my job, long as I have my house, I don't care what happens out there. I want to live in my bubble, but the fact is, at some point, you are going to care. What the left is doing to this country is eventually going to be at your doorstep. You will care then. So the time to fight election fraud, the time to stand up for this country, the time to stand up for the candidates you believe in, is right now not later, not when it's already too late. I'm um, quickly, because we're near the end of my show um, today, um, I'm just going to plant a seed, and I'll have to put off telling you about this story more until Monday. But I want to just plant the seed to tell you there's a litigation ongoing involving America's frontline doctors, AFLDS, which is the organization formed by Dr. Simone Gold, uh, who is a friend of mine, who spoke at our summit, our Women for Freedom Summit, and she um, let me know that this... In, this uh, Thing was probably upcoming uh, when I talked to her at the summit. But in any case, the litigation ongoing um, and is being made to appear in litigation as though Simone Gold did some things that were counter to the um, financial interests of AFLDS. And she's right back at them, you know, with her putting out what actually occurred. I really urge you, do not get turned off to Simone Gold or the America's Frontline Doctor. Just a great organization. It sounds, at least initially, that they got a bad apple in the middle of things. I'll tell you more about that Monday, but I can't get the story today. Also, I mentioned our radio listeners. Uh, if you are listening online and you want, or and on radio, you can listen to our show also on my website, and you can check the website later for all sorts of information about the show. The website is americacanwetalk.org americacanwetalk.org. Do go there, check out our shows. Uh, love to have you do that, and you can listen online. Um, and then uh, also for everybody else, tomorrow, Thursday, our big Thursday show uh, is going to be a humdinger, as they say, uh, because we're going to have um, the um, gentleman named Seth Keschel. Seth Keschel is the one who founded, um, I'm, he's a, I'm sorry, Seth Keschel is the one who does voting information 
impossible to describe how cool it is. He actually collects information. He's a statistician. He is a brilliant mathematician, and he has been predicting data. He's been following voting data and voter registration data and voter turnout data for decades. And so one thing he did back in 2016 to tout how great he is in his and, and accurate he is in his analysis is in 2016, he accurately predicted the um, Trump victory. And um, he said in 2016, if you recall, everybody said Hillary Clinton was going to beat um, Donald Trump, you know, with her eyes closed, blah, blah, blah. And obviously Trump, and really Trump overcame the algorithm on that day, but Trump won in 2016. Well, it was Seth Keschel who accurately predicted not only um, that Trump would win, but actually what states he would win and pretty close to exactly the percentages by which he would win. Brilliant mathematician. He's coming on the show tomorrow to analyze the results of this um, yesterday's uh, midterm election in 2022. So you don't want to miss a show tomorrow. So as I do at the end of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today um, talking about a red whimper or a matrix manipulation Polls show 70% of Americans very unhappy with the direction of the country. But a red wave didn't materialize in November 8th elections. America's historic at the crossroads level. Pivotal question is why? One answer will lead to a new iteration of debate about messaging, candidate strength, voting blocks, advertising, community outreach, social media, and other elements of political strategy. And those things do matter, but the other answer will lead to laser focus on ridding America of electronic voting machines. After two years of out-of-control borders, crippling of energy supply, devastation of the military, pandemic malpractice and fraud on a national scale, rampant inflation, a collapsing stock market, CRT, CRT trans insanity, et cetera, et cetera. There's no possible way Americans who care enough to vote delivered a mild rebuke to the leftist cabal running this country. These midterm results are not the product of an honest election. And remembering the 2020 election steal, remember 2020, an entire orchestrated pandemic of fear porn foisted on the American people, set the stage for massive deployment of mail-in ballots. Mark Zuckerberg spent $400 million to deploy ballot drop boxes used by the mules. Five states have coordinated stoppage of vote counting on election night. Trump ahead and all five before stopping. Trump lost all five after vote stoppage. Voting machine algorithms discovered and proven in 43 states by Dr. Douglas Frank. Tina Peters in Mesa County, Colorado, discovered and proved fraud in the voting machines. All of this planning, all these tools, all of it, were deployed to get rid of Donald Trump and the threat he represented to the uniparty deep state. Does anyone think this level of power would never be used again? end voting machines or end America. That is the choice. And where we are today, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, Arizona, 400,000 ballots still to count. Day of voting went for Carrie Lake, been estimated 70% on the ground reports indicate she still may win. Georgia, Warnock and Walker will have a runoff. Pennsylvania, Oz was not a true MAGA candidate, but Fetterman is demonstrably unfit. Sentient Pennsylvanians voted for Fetterman or an engineered result. Discontent in Pennsylvania may not recede quietly. And on Choose Your Battle and Reengage, never, 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 never give up on America. 
American patriots must elect fighters equal to themselves. The GOP is often spineless, cowardly, devoted to role-playing in a uniparty government. GOP leadership must be changed at every level until true fighters are in power. So reach out on issues, talk to millennials, change out your GOP party leadership, build diverse coalitions, become an on-the-ground activist between elections, fight the machines and fight election fraud. If voting machines are banned, restoration of America and MAGA patriots will follow. And I'm going to skip that last slide because I didn't get to my last topic well enough. My very fine friends, that was America Can We Talk for today. I really urge you to tune in tomorrow, Thursday, for Seth Keschel, going to be in studio, going to be a blockbuster. You will love it. And I also want to thank you for listening to this show, for sharing it with your friends. I so appreciate. Grab the link from this show off of our Facebook or our website or our Rumble channel and get it out there. Share it with your friends. Help our show grow that way. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can you America, can we talk truth about America? Can you hear